start using cutting-edge warp speed 5G technology with your cell phone. Let me tell you about my friends at MobileMobile.io. They have an ultra-fast 4G LTE and 5G network that covers 99% of Americans. So they've got you covered everywhere. Think about it for a moment. You have the opportunity to take a test drive for 10 days with unlimited talk, text, and premium data. What is premium data? Premium data is an allotment of a cellular data that you receive from a higher priority on the network. You won't get throttled like you will with some of those, well, non-brand service providers. To find out more information, all you have to do is go to mobilemobile.io. That's mobilemobile.io to start your 10-day free trial. This show is brought to you by Safety FM. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Jay Allen Show. Yeah, believe it or not, we are already at episode 168. Oh yes, 168. Well, today I sit down and have a conversation with Nippin Anard. Nippin's going to discuss all kinds of different factors when it comes to the world of safety and how he believes that we are actually tracking safety incorrectly. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Nippin Anard right here on The Jay Allen Show. Safety FM. Changing safety cultures. One broadcast and one podcast at a time. So I know that the last time that we had a, a brief conversation... You were in the middle of starting off of doing some things of taking a look at some new potential data. And I definitely wanted to pick up where we left off there. So, um, yeah, let me give you some background to it. So we, we started off with this project. Uh, we call it Confidus. Uh, and and the, re- the idea really, Jay, is to, to, to make reporting systems more conversational. Um, so what do I mean by that? Typically, what you see reporting systems uh, are, are very linear, very one-way communication. Uh, you'd be very lucky that you reported something and you actually heard something back. That really happens. Uh, so what we are trying to achieve is uh, a two-way conversation, well, actually, multi-way conversation. And that conversation is not just restricted to between, the, let's say, the line manager or the HEC department uh, and, and the, the person who reports it. It actually goes lateral, so it creates a community of practice where people engage in conversations, and 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 try and make meaningful sense of it. And and through those conversations, uh, you come to understand the richness of the problem. You try to understand the problem, and then you come up with a solution that actually uh, is meaningful in that context. So that's 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 really what we are doing. So how did you come up with this concept? How did you take a look and say, okay, things are not going the way that you were liking at the time, and you say, hey. Let's sit back for a moment and come up with a new concept altogether. Yeah, so there's a couple of reasons, uh, uh, Jay. I mean, uh, one is my my own personal experience uh, of being involved in a near collision at sea. Uh, and uh, this goes back to 2001. Uh, and we, uh, we wrote a report as a result of that collision. Uh, and the way in which the, the report was processed and analyzed by somebody who was completely removed in time and space uh, missed out the, the everything. 
And uh, typically, uh, a report like this would end up into something like, you should have done this, you should have done that, you should have been more careful, you should have followed the procedures. Um, so that that really was a starting point for me, which I I didn't understand at all at that time. Uh, I thought that's the way it should be. I should have been more careful and I should have kept at safe distance from another ship. And so it's only uh, through a very personal journey um, in the last 10, 15 years or so, I came to realize that you know, there is there is the same story can be told in 10 different ways by 10 different people. Uh, when I undertook a PhD in social sciences and anthropology. And uh, and then I became a safety inspector. And I, I, I got, I really got very uh, intrigued by this idea that, you know, what is it that people report and what are the real experiences? And the two are miles apart most of the times. Uh, I also saw it in the, the, the Costa Concordia case. You maybe may have heard of that, you know, I, I, I look at accidents. Yeah, I, and I try I, to- I, I've, I've heard that you do a, a class on this. Of course, I've heard of this. I've, this is one of the things that is associated to your name automatically. <laughs> okay, so uh, so this is where we, we 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 what we did was we created a second story of this accident. Uh, so one is the official version of the accident, like a safety report, uh, as I described to you earlier, and then there is a very different narrative, and that narrative normally comes from people who experienced this, uh, who who were who were in that moment. So why not hear their story, try and understand their story? So what I used to do all this while was that um, as, a, as, as I was uh, during my journey as, as a safety professional, would I, uh, pull out a report and then start to engage with people who are actually uh, involved in that situation. What you see is a completely different understanding of the situation. So uh, it was only uh, a year and a half ago when I, I got a chance to, to approach the, the, the Oil and Gas Technology Center in the UK. Uh, in Scotland, where I'm based, and I, uh, offer, I mean, I, I, I drafted a proposal to say we, we could we could lo- learn a little bit differently than what we have been doing so far. And here's my proposal. And I, I, what I would like to do is I would like to take a chunk of reports from some some companies, and and help them understand what is it that they are missing in these reports. So we we did this work uh, for the last year or so with a few a couple of data scientists myself, and. What we then started to realize was there was problem at three different levels. One is that reporting, as I said to you, is is, is very one directional and misses out the context. Uh, the second thing we saw was the analysis and the processing of the data is 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 nothing but uh, but a hunt for the teddy bear, which is the human error. Um, uh, so most of the times we keep reinforcing what we already know rather than actually engaging with the people and trying to understand. Uh, so our our analysis is 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 very superficial, but also very meaningless uh, to the to the to the purpose, which is to improve performance. Uh, uh, then I saw a problem with with how organizations learn. Uh, very centralized learning. You know, you have a couple of people or a handful of people sitting in one department, removed in time and space, uh, telling people what they should be doing through safety reporting. Oh, sorry. So through safety bulletins and through newsletters, which is uh, doesn't engage people at all. So, uh, so that's the background to it. So we came up with a slightly different way of engaging, which is uh, we call it a more conversational system. And uh, what it does is, is, is it's, it's a few things, uh, Jay. One is that it, it connects uh, people uh, more laterally. So it creates a community. It creates conversations within the organizations that cut through uh, departments, cuts through hierarchies. Uh, it's very much more informal. Uh, 
and it's it's what you realize it's not you know when you when you create these conversations what you realize it's it's not so much about safety it's about everything it's about performance it's about relationships it's about well-being um, so that's that's one thing it does. And then at the back of it, uh, what it also does is it creates a searchable and reliable database of knowledge. So if there are things that have happened before, you can always go back to it. You can refer back to it. And that's something we find uh, is missing in many companies, that we are not very good at retaining knowledge, uh, especially when uh, you have a lot of uh, uh, temporary workers, you have a lot of shift work, you have people who are uh, uh, scattered ag- across geography, expertise scattered or dispersed across geography uh, and in time. Uh, we are not very good at uh, utilizing this knowledge, uh, contextual knowledge. Um, so that's what we ended up doing, Jay. So let me ask, let me ask a couple of things here. As sure. you start off through this process, you, you acknowledge what is going wrong currently around the systems and how we're doing the reporting and the structure and so on. So as you're developing this and now you have this readily available, if an organization was interested in understanding some of these data points that this could actually benefit them as an organization, where do you think that they would need to be in their journey? Because, I mean, there's some aspects that you're talking about there in regards of, okay, there's somebody normally that's sitting kind of back and they, they're they kind of doing the, the work performed versus work imagined. But as you look at this, what is the organization or the people that are reaching out to you or that you would envision reaching out to you about being able to obtain this style of reporting? Um, so what you're, what, the question that you're asking is that what is the organizational need for this kind of a system? What, what, well, what right, is the- right, right. So what does the organization look like? Because, of course, all organizations are going to be in a different part of a journey. But at what point are they going to realize that this is something of need? Because here's the thing, and you know this and I know this, there's still some division out there where people go, oh, we have a culture and then we have a safety culture, opposed to it all being combined into one. When you're talking about this number system, when you're talking about this reporting structure, you're talking about is all encompassing. So how would this org, how would the organization, you know, your ideal client come about and know, this is what this is what we're looking for because most of the times you, when you're interacting with someone they're not sure what they're looking for yet so how would they know that this is this is the key to to open what they need inside of their organization it's it's a it's a really good question jay um and it uh, it goes back to the idea that if you don't have a purpose uh you don't you you, you don't know what you're measuring uh, so the starting point really is to, and the way we do it is that we uh in most, and the assumption is the organization would know what they're looking for, but that really is the case. So we take a step back and, and, and try and engage with the company. And one of the, the, the first things, starting point is that let us have a look at your reporting system. Your, wh- how is it that you measure performance? Uh, ha- so by looking at the reporting system, by looking at technical failures, product failures, operational failures, safety data, you come to understand the maturity of the organization, where you are. And that is a starting point, really. Say, okay, this is where you are. This is these are the issues, and this is the point from where you need to 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 make a change. And this is depending on how fast and how far you want to go. So, a large part of our work is really about trying to understand where the organization is. So, as you look at this, then. Because this is where it kind of gets kind of odd when it comes to organizations and let's just have the conversation here is essentially then I would imagine then we're envisioning someone who's 
I would say operation centric that's looking at looking at this at this style of reporting and that would also be almost having to admit to themselves that they have a problem on how they're doing their reporting structure. Would that be an accurate statement? No, it won't be. The thing is that sometimes when you're in the process, uh, Jay, you don't realize uh, where you are. It's it's very, very difficult to to anchor and, and create a benchmark uh, to, to be definitive about it. Uh, and I think sometimes it comes as a surprise, as a shock to you, uh, as we looked at some of the companies where you know, the data clearly shows that uh, uh, somebody is reporting something, they are bringing up concerns, but the only thing we are doing is that we are going back to them and saying, follow the procedure. And they are coming back to us and to say that the procedure is not working. And the only thing we we keep repeating is, but no, go back and follow the procedure. And, and that's, <laughs> so that's true. a very interesting so dynamic. Yes, yes. No, it, it's such a true statement. It's here's where we've had a failure. Go back to the procedure or let's retrain the people that are out there where this failure occurred. And it, it, it's something as, as Todd says all the time, let's do the training louder and, you know, more stern in regards of it, it's going to accomplish something. So you talked also at the very beginning of this of community of practice. How do you visualize that? How do you take a look at this whole thing where you have, where it kind of breaks down the hierarchy of the whole thing. And all of a sudden it's everybody having this community of practice and conversation. How do you envision this actually working within the organization? That's a good question. So um, the way we have designed the system, Jay, is that we have kept everything very transparent and open. And one of the reasons for keeping it transparent and open is that reporting systems are very opaque. Uh, and they, there, is a, there is an awful lot of secrecy. There is an awful lot of malicious reporting. People report somebody else's behavior because they are down the chain and they don't like them. Uh, and that came across uh, very clearly in our analysis also. Uh, so we are dead against the idea of anonymity. What, what we went for was the idea of openness, transparency, and that transparency by default then leads to more accountability, particularly from the top. And that's where we see the main issues. So to answer your question, what does the system look like? The system is very transparent. It's very open. Uh, we have created a very unstructured way of, of, of if you like, uh, for the lack of a better term, reporting. People can engage in conversations. And then over a period of time, through a bottoms-up approach, those conversations start to fall within certain topics. Again, that's very user-centric. And uh, so once conversations start to, 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 to fall within a particular topic or a f- particular theme, uh, uh, you then start to see and, and tie that conversation with people who would be generally interested and benefit from that conversation. So system starts to, to, to float up the most relevant information to people. A bit like, you know, um, uh, when you go on LinkedIn, uh, you see information that, that really is interesting to you because algorithms over a period of time have worked out what is more meaningful to you. So that's the kind of approach we take. Very bottoms up, very user-centric. This is The Jay Allen Show. Hey, have you ever wanted to hear what's going on around in the world of safety and you're not able to do so? Have you ever wanted to take a listen to what exactly is going around in the world of safety? What if we called that thing around the safety pie? And we told you month over month, what is happening in the mix? Would you care to know? What would it be worth to you? Now, here's the fun part. Besides that you can find out exactly what's going on inside of the world of safety, there's also other information available there. Stuff that you can start using as early as today. 
How about you give us a look? Go to our website, safetyfmplus.com. That's safetyfmplus.com to find out what exactly is going on inside of the world of safety, around the world of safety, and inside of the world of safety. And don't forget to tell them that Jay Allen sent you. I'll see you on the other side. Make sure to join the revolution. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. So how is the user's experience? So let's say, for instance, an organization says they're interested in this. Is this based on like an app that they have on their phone or is it a data uh, database system that they have access to? How does it actually work? Oh, Jay, uh, uh, I wish uh, you were on the video. I would have shared the screen with you, but I'll talk about it anyway. <laughs> no, come on. This is theater of the mind. This We have to make it a little bit more difficult. This way people can envision exactly what you're, what you're spilling here. Yeah. Uh, so, Jay, uh, uh, repeat your question. I, I really like the question. I want to listen to it again. No, so I just want to have a better understanding of the user the user experience. So, are they receiving some kind of an app that they put on the put on a device, or is it a database that they have gen- general access to, where information is kind of segmented in that particular form? Uh, no, uh, Jay. So this was another thing that we noticed that in most organizations there is there is this this whole idea of app overload. People don't want another app. They're just so sick of of more and more software being imposed upon them. So what we have created is a is what we call the hybrid app. So it works perfectly well on a desktop as it does on on a, on a mobile phone, and it it has all the features of an app, but it's not a native app. It's a progressive web app, as we call it. Uh, but it functions exactly like an app, and it's. But the beauty of it is that it doesn't need any downloading. It works on any modern browser. So is this something that that works in real time? So let's say, for instance, and let, what I, let me explain what I mean here when I'm talking about real time. So let's say, for instance, I have X issue in regards to reporting. So we're having a community of practice where we're having the conversation. Will people be able to see the updates, uploads, and downloads all in real time, no matter where they're at? So saying you based on where you're at, me being based on where I'm at, we'll be able to see new information be populated inside of this hybrid app in real time. Oh, yes, Jay, absolutely. And there's a very good story behind it. And the story goes something like this. Uh, you know, I, I we were in Singapore about, I was a seafarer at that time, and this is about more than two decades ago, and we had a problem with one of the winches, uh, a, 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 a piece of equipment uh, at the aft deck. Um, and that piece of equipment stopped working, and we had a, a million-dollar contract uh, that was uh, due to be signed in, in, in a week's time. So uh, the electrician uh, then uh, went and did some checks on the equipment, and he found that the frequency converter wasn't working. So his immediate reaction was to to run up to the chief engineer and say, you know, we have a problem, and one of the most critical parts of uh, machinery on board ship is not working. So what do we do? Uh, and the uh, chief engineer, without thinking anything, he he emailed the office. Uh, and, 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 the, and, the, and the first response that we received was that, who is the electrician on board, and why did he leave the checks for the last minute? Uh, to which uh, the chief engineer just shut off his his computer. Uh, He called all the engineers uh, to his office. And uh, he called all the engineers as well as people, we call them wipers and oilers, who are people at very low positions on the ships. Uh, And he summoned everyone to his office and said, look, we have a problem. Does anyone have a solution? Uh, So uh, engineers all started to look at drawings and, and technical manuals. And I still remember there was this guy who was lowest in the rank on the ship and his, uh, he, he, he said to the chief engineer, he said, uh, no, he didn't say anything. Chief engineer actually asked him, he said, uh, so what do you think? What's your view? 
And that question really sparked his eyes. He said, Chief, I think we have a spare in the spare uh, uh, component in the forward store. Why don't we go and try that? Uh, and uh, he took the chief engineer to the forward store. The specs matched and it worked. And, and we, we, we fixed the equipment. We won the contract. And the point I'm trying to make is this, that in most organizations, you have wealth of knowledge. It's just dispersed in, 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 in time and space. And most of the problems that we encounter are, uh, have been experienced by somebody else before. The challenge is how do you connect expertise with authority? By that, I mean, how do you connect somebody who has a problem with somebody who has a solution or, 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 or has the authority to approve it? And that is something that most organizations struggle with. So long story short, uh, the, the, the tool really is designed uh, uh, to work in real time. And the idea is to connect uh, the problem with a solution. So as you as you and your team were dedicating the time to actually building out this particular structure and putting all of this together, how did you know that this is definitely where we're having a, such a large problem? I mean, how, how, how much time, how much data did you have already noticing that this has been an issue across the board? Um, you know what? Uh, this is a very good question. So uh, it's it was my 15 years of struggle uh, as a frontline worker, as a researcher, as a seafarer, uh, as, as a safety inspector. I have lived and uh, and and inhaled this this frustration for many many years but what what really surprised me was you know when we took uh, a scientific study of it and we analyzed some 31000 reports and jay we we literally read through each and every report and we saw how much was missing how much engagement was missing in these reports because most of it was primarily or basically a reinforcement of what the organization already knew. There was no appetite for engaging. And as soon as we started to, to unlock these conversations, in the words of some of the users, uh, uh, they used to have what they call statements, observation statements, near-miss statements. And from those statements, it turned into people actually offering solutions. That's how dramatic the shift was. So from one line statement, it became a, a, a very rich detail of the problem which also came with a potential solution from the people who were facing that problem. So do you think that where you were looking at these reports, then there was huge um, lapse in learning and learning possibilities there then? So there's a number of problems here. One of the most serious problems I encountered, Jay, and I don't know if you would be intuitively, uh, uh, you would intuitively recognize this or not, is that in most organizations, there is a tipping, tipping point uh, until which there is no there is no real appetite to invest in learning. So there has to be something high potential, uh, something big that has, has to happen uh, until you justify the resources for investigation, learning, and, and a case for change. Uh, and we saw that time and again. We saw it in many reports. And, and the thing where it gets interesting is that when you talk about high potentials, which is, to my mind, is a very flawed idea, uh, my understanding of what is high potential is so different from yours. And it's different because we have we have different goals, we have different agendas, we have different objectives. Here, so here you have a seafarer who's reporting uh, something as the highest level of potential, which is the internet on the ship is not working. Of course, that is high potential, but it probably has very little to do with process safety. Nevertheless, it's in, in his view, it is a high potential thing. And this is where it starts to get messy that all the the, the, the data that we have been collecting in the name of uh, high consequence and high potential is so questionable. And that data, if that is the trigger point for change, 
you can see how misleading it can be for any organization. No, of course, because it varies so significantly from person to person, exactly how you just explained it. So, yeah, so, so Nipit, let me ask you a question. So outside of this, you know, it's not like you hardly do anything else. You have a lot of other things going on as well. So you have recently started a new podcast. What was the idea behind that? I, it is titled Embracing Differences. What was the desire and the driving point of saying, hey, let's get this out there? And what was, what was the thought process as you decided to start this? <laughs> that's, that's, Jay, you ask very good questions, by the way. Um, um, Thank you. So, uh, uh, I'll tell you a story, Jay. Uh, I live in Scotland, in Aberdeen. And I go out for a walk every evening, about six o'clock. During winters, it gets really dark. Sometimes uh, it's raining, snow. During summers, it's, it's, it's very bright and, and, and nice during that time of day. And uh, six o'clock in the evening, when you go out uh, during the summertime, uh, you see people, uh, you know, they see a brown-skinned person and they generally keep away from that person. Uh, but uh, come winters and you are all, uh, you know, uh, uh, Clothed up, you have your 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 hat, you have your gloves, you have your have your scarf, everything, and you people can hardly see you, and you can see how as people pass by you, they 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 wave at you, they say hello to you, and for a very long time, I, I felt that this is all about uh, a color of skin, and people don't like you because uh, because you come from a different part of the world, and it's it's all about racism and and it's all about discrimination and whatnot. But then slowly I came to realize that, uh, like me, everyone else is, is scared of differences. We are all scared of differences. It's not, it's not always that uh, people uh, are racist or, or, or they are uh, uh, discriminating against you. Uh, we as human beings, we are scared of, of, of being different. Now, being different could mean appearing differently. Being different could mean, be, mean, uh, mean uh, having different views, different opinions. And the natural response is to, to stay away from that. And what I have learned, and probably I wouldn't have learned if I, if I didn't live in the West for so many years, is that there is so much uh, potential to embrace those differences, to, 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 em- to engage with people who look differently, who think different, particularly people who think differently. And that's where the real learning lies. It's, it's very uncomfortable. But it's it's very fruitful in the long run. It's the only way to grow in life is to is by embracing those differences. So uh, I had this idea for a very long time, actually. And one thing that 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 really uh, uh, sometimes uh, annoys me uh, is that when we don't like somebody's theories, somebody's concepts, uh, and 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 uh, they don't resonate with our world, we are very quick to judge and 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 uh, reject them. And in my world, uh, uh, it is so, so important to engage with them. Uh, and I would say that, uh, uh, you know, uh, engaging with those differences does not mean you have to accept them, but therein lies a, a, a real dilemma. That when you engage with those differences, when you start to understand them, you start to appreciate them, you start to realize that there is more than one truth. And that is the bit that really interests me. So as much as possible, I want to bring different people from different disciplines, from anthropology, social sciences, engineering, uh, uh, every discipline, uh, arts, humanities, and have discussions. Because I think deep down our problems are, are, are very common. 
So do you look at it when you're having conversations then with people and having the going into this in-depth information about embracing differences? Do you base a lot of it around science then when you're having these, we'll, we'll say these discussions? I don't mean that in a bad term. I mean, just having the interaction there. Is that what you're looking for? Yes, Jay, I am a scientist. I'm an anthropologist. And uh, one of the things that interests me is, uh, you know, in anthropology, there's a beautiful saying. It's called making the familiar strange. And how do you make the familiar strange? Because, you know, there is a road uh, and you walk every day and, and there is a bus station and there is a there is a trash bin lying there. And if you walk that road and a, a car parked there, if you if you walk that road 10 times or 20 times, you would have lost any appetite to learn anything new because there isn't anything new on that road anymore. So you very quickly lose interest. But the way to learn uh, on that on that journey is to invite somebody else to walk with you on that road. And that person might tell you something which you haven't noticed before. So the idea is very grounded in science. It's uh, the, the thing that you need to understand is that you have to be critical all the time. You have to challenge those assumptions and that is the beauty of science. You don't have to accept them, but you have you have to take time to understand them. Oh, I I I, I agree with what you're saying there because I think that sometimes, well, I can say most of the times, a good chunk of us do not go down that path to have an understanding of what the other person has to say or understanding the science behind on what they're bringing to the table. Jay, I can tell you that if I did not engage with that captain of the Costa Concordia, which the world felt was an absolute idiot. We would have we would have learned nothing from this accident, absolutely nothing. There was well, so much in there by listening to a different perspective. Oh, absolutely! And now talking about accidents, and I know that we're right now recording this in March. Next month, you have something coming up with Todd Conklin, which is a workshop. Would you like to tell tell our listeners about it? Yeah, so we have this uh, this uh, four days session uh, planned in April. Uh, we've done it for a few times now. It's been running very successfully. Uh, so Todd starts with his workshop for the first two days. He talks about the accident investigations, the theory and practice of accident investigations. And then I take uh, I take the, the next two days, uh, I take people on a journey uh, to understand, uh, the, to, to, to give them a flavor of how much uh, we are missing by not engaging with people in accident investigations or, or people involved in accidents. And... Uh, there is a range of things, uh, Jay, and what's interesting is that it never feels like a course. Uh, it feels, it is so engaging, so informative, and it's done in such a, uh, it's done in a very uh, thinking and reflection kind of a space that you almost come out of it not realizing that you have completed a, a very intense course in human factors without actually uh, uh, talking about any grand theories. Well, that might be a good thing, you know, just kind of hiding it and sneaking it in there also at the same time, too. You don't want people to feel pressure right off the bat. That's right. I mean, there's <laughs> everything from human and organizational performance to 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 safety too, to uh, to uh, HRO and, and uh, to to a bit of technical sciences, anthropology, culture. And we hardly ever talk about uh, human factors, reliability, but we never make any of those concepts visible. Very true. Now, Nippon, if the, if the people want to know more about you and what you have going on, where can they go to find out more information? Uh, I am very active on LinkedIn, Jay, as you know. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I am on my personal website through which that will also lead you to my to my um, 
to my company website, which is novellas.solutions uh, and, and the new product that we are talking, we talked about for the most of this podcast, which is Confidus. So you'll get all the links on my personal website. Well, Nip and I really do appreciate you coming on to the show. What a wonderful experience, Jay. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I love the way you ask questions. You're very inquisitive. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nipin Anard as much as I did. So let me tell you about a couple of things going on here at Safety FM. Right now, if you go to safetyfm.com forward slash contest, we have a contest going on where we're giving away a two-hour one-on-one session with yours truly. We can talk about anything you want to talk about. It'd be at radio, safety, podcasting, broadcasting, whatever you want to talk about. Just go to safetyfm.com forward slash contest. Also, on the 31st of March at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we are doing our safety reconfigured class backed by popular demand. For more information there, you can go to safetyfm.io. This will bring another episode of The Jay Allen Show to an end. Don't worry, we'll be back with another episode very, very soon. I'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Safety FM. Changing safety cultures. One one broadcast and one podcast at a time. So do you feel like you're missing out on what everyone is starting to do now, that live streaming thing, and you don't know where to start or what to do? I have the resource and the information to provide to you in regards on how you can stream onto 40 social media platforms all at one time. Yes, that's 440 social media platforms all at one time. All you'll need to do is go to safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's O-N-E. So just in case, and you'll be able to start live streaming just like you're hearing people starting to do right now up to 40 social media platforms.